0: hey guys welcome back to the wbf podcast i'm here with pastor sarah aiken sarah how are you doing
1: i am doing well today
0: uh so it was like about a month ago Uh, We were talking and you were uh, giving me a lot of uh, good things about the podcast. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for that encouragement. When you have people like elders or like leadership in your church who are coming up and uh, complimenting you on what you're doing, it really does. uh, It it feels really good to know you're like serving in some kind of way. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. For me, um I'm probably just an encourager naturally, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's easy to do, but I get super excited when I see people doing um, things that are, um, first of all, I love the creative. So I love what you're doing with this. It's, it's uh, just really cool. And I always love to encourage people, especially younger people, you know, to do what it is that they've been created to do. um, Mm -hmm. And you do it with excellence and that's even all the better.
0: Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, John was talking about finding your purpose, finding mm-hmm. your ministry. Right. And I was telling my dad on here, like, it was like the first time I heard that and I was like finally feeling like I was in where I was supposed to be because one of the things John said was like, people will start telling you, mm-hmm. you know, people in your it, right. will start confirming it. And it was like, man, it was like the weeks before that and the weeks after that, it's just been constant confirmation and, it's just it's so uplifting and so humbling at the same time to just you know be used and um, so thank you again for all that you've you've done here. Whenever you speak or any time I've I've heard you speak, I always just try to listen because you're always full of so much insight, mm-hmm. and so I really uh, greatly appreciate that.
1: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate hearing that. Um, thanks.
0: So let's get started with what was church life
1: like for you growing up? Oh my. Um, Gosh, well, I I feel like I kind of have a little bit of an interesting story, just kind of how things landed many, many years later. Um, I was actually saved when I was really young, like five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to—our uh, church name was uh, Full Gospel Tabernacle. Uh, the pastor there was Henry F. Redman, amazing man, just amazing man. He himself had a phenomenal story. He was actually— uh, very addicted to alcohol at one point, And his wife Shirley was a Christian. She just kept going to church and, um, you know, whether he would go or he wouldn't go, she was, she was determined she was going to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And crazy thing, he used to come to the church where he eventually became a pastor at. Mm-hmm. He'd sit out in the parking lot <laughs> and yell at her when she would come out of church because he was so angry about her going to church and mm-hmm. he didn't want that for their lives. And of course, the Lord got a hold of him, flipped his whole life on his head, and he became not just a phenomenal pastor, but Um, but actually uh, a missionary primarily to India. Hmm. And he just did, he just did, Amazing work for God. He'd come home without his shoes all the time because he'd see somebody <laughs> that needed shoes. So she was always packing him extra shoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just a just an amazing man. So um, so anyway, uh, I was saved um, there at Full Gospel under his um, under his teaching. I remember the message he taught. He was yeah. actually teaching. Uh, the, the message on the woman with the issue of blood mm-hmm. and how she just said within herself, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus's garment, I, I know that I'll be healed. And of course mm-hmm. she did. And he said, you know, hey, I felt power go out of me. And all the disciples were like, Lord, what are you talking about? We're being pressed in here. How could you possibly know that? Mm-hmm. And um, how or why in the world that resonated in my little five-year-old heart? I have no idea to this mm-hmm. day. I don't know, but I believe that there is something to it that maybe the Lord will show me one day, you know, before I leave this earth. I don't know because I don't think it was really a coincidence, but so I saved when yeah. I was 5 years old, um my parents were um pretty hit and miss in church, you know. Yeah. Um I know they were saved, um but I wasn't really discipled, you know, and we didn't go to church regularly. My sisters were really, my older sisters were the ones who uh, took myself and my sister, who's two years older than I, um, to church when we went and everything. Um, So, you know, I cannot, you know, I I wasn't really a disciple of Christ, honestly, until I was probably in my early Mm thirties, um, where, um you know, I knew God was real. I knew I was saved. I was actually filled with the baptism of the Holy spirit at age 14. Mm. I'd gone to, it's at the tail end of like the whole Jesus revolution thing,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and I had gone to um, like, a uh, it wasn't really a youth meeting. It was just a a meeting, you know, that these Jesus freaks were doing on a Sunday night. And so we were like, Hey, let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. And um they asked, um, was there anyone there that hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. yet? And of course I had learned about it in our church because it was a spirit filled church, mm-hmm. but I was always kind of trying to dodge the bill, bu- the bullet a little mm-hmm. bit on that. Cause it kind of scared me a little bit and I didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. um, what would happen to me when I did receive it, but they just really encouraged me and, um, and I received um, the the baptism with the Holy Spirit that night with and I, I spoke in tongues and it was a really wild experience so it's crazy that I kn- I knew God was real
2: mm-hmm.
1: i I knew that he had saved me but for whatever reason Daniel i I could never connect the dots mm. to um you know serving him with my whole being and and i think it goes back to you know some trauma i had in my childhood that i was always i was always trying to be safe um, and mm. i just didn't know if god as a father could be trusted and mm. you know it, it it was it took a lot of years for me to figure out you know he could be trusted
0: So when you were like from five to 14, were you in church consistently or were you in and out of church because your family was in and out of church?
1: Yeah, we were really in and out of church Mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit. The main times I remember us attending, of course, was around holidays and stuff. I mean, my parents Mm -hmm. tried and and I love my mom and dad. And, and, you know, they they gave us and did for us the best that they could. Mm -hmm. But we we didn't have um, a home life that was conducive to really discipling children it was very mm. performance-based you know i can remember mm. um you know being told you know makeup was bad and this was bad and mm. that's bad you know and playing cards was bad and i'll <laughs> never forget i went and i talked to because i i challenged my dad on that which is gosh, well, yeah, I challenged my dad, which is kind of crazy, but <laughs> probably my siblings would say, well, if there's anyone that was going to do it, it was going to be Sarah who would challenge mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I challenged my dad on that. And he said, "Will you ask Brother Redmond, if that's okay to play cards. And I mm-hmm. said, okay, I will. So that Sunday um, after the service, I met Brother Redmond up at the, the altar and, and I, I apparently was so young. He had to bend down. Like he got on one knee to talk to me because I, you know, I said, I had a question for him. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, I said, you know, will playing cards send me to hell? Yeah. And he yeah. busted out laughing. He was like, no, and you you're not going to go to hell for playing <laughs> cards. Like, okay, thank goodness. So anyway, I told my dad, and my dad just kind of looked at me like you really went and asked him that question. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. so anyway, you know, um, when i was 32 um really in a in a hard time in my life of of recognizing you know i can't do this on my own and i know there's a god and i'm thinking his way might be better than mine because i keep i keep uh you know getting myself into messes trying to be safe thinking that I'm getting it. I'm getting it figured out. You know, I just, I just need, I just need, um, you know, I just need a college degree. I just need, um, you know, a husband who will be a dad to my son. And I just need, you know, this job or that job. And my life was, you know, I guess on the outside, it looked like things were okay, but on the inside, it was just a really dysfunctional situation. And I used to call and talk to my my sister, Laura, all the time. And, and she knew the word. And, <laughs> and um, I can remember her saying to me, you know, I'd ask her different questions and she'd answer them. And uh, I remember her saying to me once, you know, you really need to read the Bible for yourself, Sarah. Yeah.
2: Just- and
1: I said, yeah, 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 yeah. But what about, and then I'd ask her this question. Well, I'm about 32, I guess, 33 years old. I'm not sure which, but I'm big and pregnant with Sophie. Mm. And it's, you know, it's like, you know, um, tough at home. And um, I'll never forget, I was standing in our bedroom and I was folding towels and I was praying. um, And I I just literally said the words, I give God, uncle, you Mm. win. Mm -hmm. And, And it was like this. You know, just this presence fell over me. Mm-hmm. And and I, I knelt down next to the bed and I said, God, I'll do it your way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'll quit doing it my way and I'll do it your way. And um, after that, I began to read the Word for mm-hmm. myself. And it was like the more I read the word, the more the more you fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I just became so passionate about Jesus and so passionate about his word. it was it was a super exciting time in my life. Um,
0: when you're like performance based from such an early age and you're trying to accomplish, you know, like you were talking about college and you're trying to get all these physical accolades, it can be hard to, you know, find him whenever you're just keeping it focused on like, almost like the surface level. But when you're young, you don't realize it. Yeah, You know, you don't realize that you're just trying to perform for something whenever all he wants is our heart. Yeah. And so you can go years without even, you know, truly even realizing he's like right there for you. And you're just so caught up in the ways of the world. I mean, I I know I was performance based for many years. Mm -hmm. And then it, it was like, you know, a lot of times it comes up on here that people were performance-based, people were, you know, just chasing after, like, the the rules, and you know what I mean? Right. And it's, like, all we can keep on talking about on here is, like, relationship, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so, like, even being filled with the Holy Ghost at a very, you know, a pretty young age, I would say, I, even me, I was probably an early teenager myself, that's not gonna cut it, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's still, like, there was a, a lot of growing pains for me um, with just like listening to the ways of the world and then accepting their ways. Yeah. And like absolutely. in the middle of my season of being on fire for God with me and Zach, you know, praying over the congregation and preaching to the youth at, you know, 14 to 16. To, to go from that to smoking mm-hmm. marijuana and, mm-hmm. and starting to believe the ways of the world, right. It, it just, you know, cast me off into the to the depths of you know the world and stuff so from fourteen to thirty two you had this this gap almost mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. what was going on with you then
1: yeah it was um it, well i mean i was just pursuing work and pursuing a degree and and you know trying to get things figured out that mm-hmm. way um my relationship with the lord though was was very um well, I mean it was non-existent, really. I mean, it just it's like I knew he was out there and and honestly at that point in time in my life, I was always I think just kind of trying to dodge him mm-hmm. because if he found out what I was doing, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was going to get me, you know, mm-hmm. because that's the that's part of the whole law-based life,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know. You're just you're just trying to always be um you know, kind of dodge the bullet and I was getting saved, you know, when I would go back to church, I'd get saved again, you know, not mm. understanding, you know, that, that, um, you know, my experience, even as a five-year-old, it was Daniel, it was real. I mean, I wept as mm. a five-year-old and I felt the presence of God and, you know, he sealed the deal with me in that moment, but, um, you know, I just put him on a shelf And, and zero growth, zero maturity, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I went out into the world and, you know, um, went into bars and different places being, you know, being filled up. I thought that way Mm -hmm. until I got to be about 23. And then it was like, well, this is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is dumb, you know, and then I found out I was pregnant with my first child with Joel And, um, of course that changed everything for me in terms of, yeah, I don't, I'm not doing that anymore because Mm -hmm. I'm not bringing a child into this world where, you know, that's what they have as a parent. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I began to live a much, um, a much different life in terms of, you know, I quit going into bars and drinking and doing all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but I never I never really enthroned God as my God. I Mm. continued to try and get things figured out for myself.
0: You know, I've seen a couple of people at our church who I could tell are getting convicted because I've seen them go up for salvation more than once. Mm. And that's just something that happens with people who just don't quite understand it. And it used to almost frustrate me, but you have to kind of like think of it differently. I think for me, I had to realize like it's almost heartbreaking that they still don't have it quite figured out. And that's whenever discipleship is so important you know, you're talking about how you didn't have a lot of that and like how much that would have helped you Mm -hmm. in those years where, because it was real, Mm -hmm. you just didn't have anyone, you know, nurturing that. right? And so, you know, lack of knowledge is so, you know, huge and getting in your words for yourself. I think that's, you know, some advice that just can't go overlooked because it's like, it's so funny how we can be performance-based until it comes to like reading our word. And then that, that seems like it's a huge step, right? (laughs) Right. For like so many of us, it's like, we'll, we'll like try to be under the, you know, the law as best we can and hide from them in a sense. So we don't get judged, but then we won't really like open up the word for ourselves. And when you do that, and it becomes real to you that then uh, you said something about your passion and mm-hmm. your heart. You started, it's like an immediate heart change. Yes. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that when I look back over my life that I'm so incredibly amazed and in awe of God um about is just all the times he intersected my life mm. that you know, I was some, sometimes I was just completely unaware. I mean, I have some amazing stories. I, I've, I've seen an angel before an angel actually gave me a ride yeah. I'm telling you the truth. It's, I mean, it was wild. Um, and you I'll want to
0: tell the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'll tell
1: the story. Um, so I think it was in 1985 or so. Um, but I worked in downtown St. Louis at a big eight, um, accounting firm. And we were actually in the media, well, we were in the NBC building um there off of Market Street. And um I was in the graphics department and it was just like a, a just a fledgling department that was just starting up. Like, I remember they brought in uh, a Mac and they were, and they were like, look, this is a mouse. So like, that's a mouse. What does that mouse do? You
2: know,
1: <laughs> you know we we're talking about the very, very beginning yeah. of, you know, Mac kind of being uh, coming on the scene and everything. But the majority of the work that I did, it was like graphs and charts and that sort of thing. And we used an HP plotter or you did it literally with like graphing uh, tape.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: I was working really late one night on on a project and it was winter time. It was snowing and it was, I kept looking outside. I'm up on probably, I guess the 11th floor and I'm looking at the snow falling and I'm like, Oh, I really need to, to leave. But it's like, you know, I, I got to get this project done, being performance-based. You know, mm-hmm. if I get it done, if I please my uh, superiors, you know, then that'll make me feel good. And mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, I finally decided I, I got to go. I got to pack it up for the night. And um, I had to go get my son. So I'm in St. Louis. Uh, my parents lived across the river in uh, Cahokia, and they were keeping Joel that day. Mm-hmm. He was like two, a year, two years old a year, maybe 18 months at that point. Mm-hmm. So, and I had an old junkie car that just could, Lord, <laughs> I don't know how it made it, but anyway, went over and got my son mm-hmm. and they're like, are you sure you want to drive home? I'm like, yeah, I got to, I, I want to go home, you know, cause I got to go to work in the morning and, and all of that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Poplar street bridge mm-hmm. um, in St. Louis. It's, it's, you know, there's a couple different bridges, but it's, mm-hmm. it's one of the, um, it's the one that's closest to Bush stadium. Yes. Um, so Anyway, go get my son. I get halfway a- across the bridge and it is like, like snowing buckets. It's ridiculous.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my car dies and there's not a soul out. Everybody's way smarter than me. They're already <laughs> at home, you know, cause this is like 10 o'clock at night, you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, first of all, we're talking St. Louis. St. Louis is not the yes. safest place, mm-hmm. you know, the city, um, safest place in the world to be. And, um, I'm looking over at Joel and he was asleep and didn't have heat in my car mm-hmm. and all bundled up. And, um, I remember I just put my head on my steering wheel and I just bust out crying. I said, God, I need you. I need you. Um, please help. And that was my prayer. And so I turned the key again and the car started. Mm. And so I got, um, probably well, I lived in, um, some apartments called rain tree, rain tree apartments. I don't even know. It wasn't St. It was it's on the outskirts of St. Louis. So anyway, we got about maybe two miles, three miles from home mm-hmm. and the car dies again. So I thought, okay, well, I can walk that, you know, I'll just mm-hmm. get him out. And I had a and I had an extra blanket there in the car. So I got out of the car and I came around to his side and I got him out and I just got him wrapped up Mm. and this car pulls in, in front of me and it's a white car and, um, she unrolls her window and it's a, it's a black girl and she has a black dog and this black dog is just like looking at me. And, um, she says, Hey, do you need a ride? And I said, yeah, actually I do. Now you have to understand, you know, I would never accept a ride from Mm. anyone, not even a, a girl like under any circumstances if I'm holding my kid, you know, I'm just super, you know, you're in St. Louis, you don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's like when she unrolled that window, it was like it was like this wave of peace came out. Mm. And I thought, okay, you know, so I got in and the pup jumped into the, the back seat and I got in there and she said, Well where do you where do you live at? And I said, Well I live up at at Raintree. And I'm telling you, Daniel the inside of this car was like, I don't know how to explain it. It was like so peaceful. It was like I literally stepped into an alternate universe or something. It was so wild. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, I was worn out. I was tired. I'm thinking, how am I going to get my garbage so I can get to work? And and um, so anyway, um, she's like, oh, I, I live in Rain Tree too. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, thank you. <laughs> so um, she takes me. You know, to my apartment, I get out. I thanked her again, didn't even think to ask her name. And got out, you know, went in and everything. Well, we had snow days the next few days. So um, I thought, I'm going to make this girl some cookies. I got to go up to the office, find out who she is. Mm-hmm. And um, so I can take her, um, these these cookies. And went up to the office, talked to the lady. And she said, there's nobody that lives here that meets that description. Mm and i was like no you you don't understand she drove this car and she looks like this and she has a black pup and
2: mm-hmm. and
1: she's like and there's nobody that lives here like that mm. and i you know i just the lord just quickened to me you know that that he had sent an angel to help me yeah. and there's no telling daniel how many times that happened you mm. know between that 14 and 32 because i had put myself different times in some dangerous situations that I should have never been in, you know, just being dumb and hanging out, you know, uh, bad company corrupts, you know, good character. Now, which way that was going, I don't know, <laughs> but I'd like to think, you know, I was just making bad choices, but yeah, there's no telling how many times the Lord protected me and helped me.
0: Thank God for his grace. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, even whenever we don't know, we know whenever we need him and we're able to, uh, Pray and like seek Him, and when you had to put your head on the steering wheel and say, "Lord, please help me." We know He's our helper in times of need. It's just uh, making that like a like a constant idea in our head. You know what I mean? And um, there's been times where I shouldn't have made it home. You know, Just, just put myself in very dangerous situations. I've had people pull guns out in front of me before, cock them, ready to like shoot people before. I've had some uh, very scary situations that I shouldn't have been shouldn't wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, right. And uh, it's just crazy. Like when you put yourself in those kinds of situations where you're in the world and you're doing the things of the world, you're not in his will
2: mm-hmm. and his exactly. protection
0: can only go exactly. so far,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: his grace stayed with me. And I, I truly believe it's because of prayers and yeah. like my family's prayers yeah. over me, yep. even whenever I was, you know, so disobedient right so you know that's something that's been heavy on my heart lately is like obedience mm-hmm. and humility and like relearning that now right it's like something i feel like it's like very important mm-hmm. as i teach it to my children right and then like showing it even more so to my parents now mm-hmm. to like get back some of that you know what i had like really you know just muddied up you know over the years but it's crazy how much he can do for us mm-hmm. you know what i mean
1: yeah, and um, the weird, the weirdest thing about that whole season is that I always had, and and I know you're probably going to be able to identify with this, but even when I was in the wrong place with the wrong people, I I always had like this tug inside mm-hmm. of me, and always just like this little bit of sickness in my stomach that I would have mm-hmm. to literally push down, which of course was the conviction of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. of saying this is not this is not God's best for you. This is mm-hmm. not my best for you. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? Um, so,
0: yeah, I became secluded. So I didn't have to like feel that as much. I numbed it throughout the years. And it was different if it was like, up like my place with my friends, then I didn't feel that almost at all. But if I was going out and doing the drinking and all that stuff, because then you're going to drive under the influence right. and you're going to put yourself in situations where you Probably should have gotten multiple DUIs, but you know, just stupid decisions yep. that I was making. Yep. But I became very secluded in my drinking there for the last few years of it so that I didn't have that tug as much. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was just me and my own thing. No one really, you know, but no matter how good you hide it, the people who love you know, right? You know, and they're tugging at you still, right? right. And so God was still finding ways to uh, to tug on me. Um, but you know, it's just you gotta you gotta listen to those tugs.
2: Oh, you know? yes, yeah.
0: And the years we waste, you know, oh
2: my,
0: not letting it tug us. You know, the amount of influence. You know, I was talking to Garrett about that, about the bad influence I was. But now we have a chance to make up for that. You know what I mean? And and we change that from now on. You know what I mean? Right. Our influence on people. So. Mm-hmm. So uh, you were married mm-hmm. for some of those years. Yeah, were you married before you had your first?
1: Yes, and everything. Mm-hmm. We were married six years mm-hmm. um, when when we had Joel, and you know, and those six years were just it was just filled with just partying and mm. you know, staying out till. Two, three a.m. getting up at six a.m. and going to work. I mean, Ooh, you man. know, just ridiculous lifestyle. And mm-hmm. you know, of course, you're in your early twenties. You can, you know, I guess sustain that lifestyle, but only for so long. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I was married for six years, had Joel, and then it was kind of like, well, like I said, this is this, it, no, I don't, I don't want to do this mm-hmm. with him anymore. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um yeah. There
0: you go. And then when were you uh, going to Faith Center? When did you start going to Faith Center?
1: Um, Well, that was 2004, I believe, that um, I started. Um, And I want to revisit something real quick. Go for it. At age 32, um, I made a job change. I I worked um, at a hospital um, just as an administrative uh, person um, and— um, got pregnant with Sophie, so I knew I wanted to work part time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't stay on full time or whatever. So, long story short, um, I ended up getting a job at Focus on the Family. You know, because mm-hmm. oh, we were in Colorado mm-hmm. at the time. Okay. So, um, got on in the films department, mm-hmm. and they were doing a series called "That the World May Know," which is actually a very—it's—it's uh, it's a really well-known series in certain circles, and uh, Ray Vanderlawn. Amazing biblical scholar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that the Lord really used that to add to um, my um my love of him, mm-hmm. my awareness of him, my uh, my understanding of how much the Jewish culture uh, played into who Jesus was, that mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't an American.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: that he was a Jew, mm-hmm. you know, through and through. And and it just like it became so exciting to me who Christ was, mm-hmm. you know. So that really added to um, my growth at that time, and and the college that I was in, um, it was actually a Jesuit. University, which is actually ca- Catholic, mm-hmm. um, but my religion teacher was a rabbi, <laughs> Okay, and so he was actually really good friends with James Dobson, who was the president of Focus on the Family at the time, mm-hmm. kind of sat at the same table with all the, the, um, the big ministry leaders in Colorado Springs, and for whatever reason, you know, he just really took a liking to me, and he began to explain to me about the oral Torah mm-hmm. and how it played out and about the Jewish belief. On who Jesus was, which didn't doesn't line up with Christianity. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. But even in that, it was so interesting how God used all of that. Uh, you know, like I said, to really awaken me mm-hmm. more and more and more to Him. And I, I actually had an opportunity um, that He had offered to me to because He was starting this. Um, this uh, Amer- our, uh, Jewish Christian Studies Institute, um, and he was going to be in Jerusalem part of the time, Colorado Springs part of the time, and he had offered me, because I was getting my degree in mass communications, to I want to come on as basically his public relations person. Mm-hmm. And I just had a check in my spirit about it that you know, it was a phenomenal opportunity. I mean, good lord! Um, but I just had to check that it wasn't the right thing, uh, mm-hmm. and and it ended up being it was it was a good decision not to go in that direction. But it God still used everything that I learned mm-hmm. in that season. It was almost kind of feel like it was a little bit of a test of, Sarah, will you listen to my Holy Spirit as I'm leading you, Mm. you know, in this, will you, will you go with the thing that looks like the best opportunity and, you know, an opportunity Mm. to do something, you know, crazy good, or or will you listen to my spirit that's telling you no, Mm. no matter what. So, so, you know, I did, I turned down that opportunity. We ended up moving to uh, Illinois at that point,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, my sister, one of my sisters, was watching a series called um, "The Gospel According to Matthew," mm-hmm. and it's the entire book of Matthew, nothing but um, the New King James Version text. So they didn't say anything other than what was in the text. Okay. And the guy who played him, oh my gosh, I can't think of his name right now, but he was phenomenal as Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, and that was like another layer that God gave me because I not only got to learn a little bit about Jesus as a Jew working Mm -hmm. on that the world may know, but then I come to Southern Illinois and I get to see Jesus as fully God, fully man, Mm -hmm. because he was so precious in this, just this man was created for this part. He was, he, I mean, he just exuded the love of Christ and how he looked in people's eyes and, mm. and how he interacted with people doing, you know, no text or, or no um, script other than, you know, the the gospel of Matthew.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll never forget the very last scene in that series. Um, they, sh- they show Jesus um, after the resurrection. He's walking down um, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Oh, he's walking away from the camera and he turns and he does this, like, come on. Hmm. And his eyes are just full of light and love and joy. And he's grinning from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like another one of those pivotal moments where I thought, yeah, Jesus was a man of sorrow, but man, he was a man of joy. Hmm. And it was just, it just like rocked my world that, you know, it's kind of like all the years of being performance based and law based and, and all of that, and trying to dodge the bullet. And, you know, God's this white haired dude sitting in the heavens, you know, on the on the mm-hmm. Bama getting ready to clunk you, you know, for anything you do wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. There's
1: this Jesus who's like, oh my gosh, he's just full of joy and happy. So that was another really pivotal moment for me. Mm-hmm. And it actually leads up to coming to Face Center mm-hmm. because I came to Face Center in 2004 And um First time I walked in, we were, of course, in the uh, warehouse. Yeah. Turner Oak. Mm-hmm. And the new sanctuary wasn't even open yet. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how long. I mean, they had not, y'all had not been meeting long. Yeah. And so I walked in and John was on the soundboard to the right. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, okay, there's the sound guy, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And then he got up and started teaching. Mm-hmm. And I thought, holy mm-hmm. cow, he's not just the sound, the sound guy mm-hmm. and the way he taught was so, um, like so in line with the Jesus that I was discovering. Mm. It was like, no way, Mm -hmm. no way. This can't be real. Um, because we've gone to a church for a number of years, um, in carterville illinois we made the drive is an hour drive to get there mm. and i served in children's church you know the whole entire time we were there just so the lord was really awakening all that in me too that you know i needed to serve he had called me to serve yes. and so and it was it was amazing but it was an hour drive
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: and um pastor there phenomenal guy uh todd Greinert, um he actually has a little bit of a story too but um Sophie was going into youth group mm-hmm. and I was just praying, Lord, if I could just find a, a church that's closer because mm-hmm. you know, that hour there and for an hour there and then an hour drive back on it's Wednesdays. All yeah, after you're working full time and all of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, long story short, we we found Faith Center and everything and you know, just really connected. Mm -hmm. Um, I sat on the very back row all the time because Mm -hmm. that was my comfort zone. But I did start getting involved in serving immediately because I knew I knew I was called to serve.
0: Serving is so important. I have a a friend of mine who she's just now starting to serve in her church. She was having this issue. She was starting to feel like she wasn't sure if it was the right church for her. And she told me she was praying about it and praying about it and praying about it. And then very next Sunday, Uh, the pastor's wife at her church comes up to her and asks her if she would like to restart the nursery program at Mm -hmm. the church. And then the service was like really what she needed to hear. And I was like, yes, that's like God, because like her, her husband, she's not for sure if he's completely there yet, Right. but he likes going there. So for him, she was willing to go there, but for God to give her this opportunity to, you know, be used it's just so important to find a place where you can serve. Yeah. And I love how in your store we went from like being in the wrong place at the wrong time to the right place in the right time. Yeah. And how it seemed like your, your, the like ramp or the escalation you saw in that season of your life was like multiplied. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like even in, you finding the right place at the right time, you did have a test mm-hmm. and you had to check your spirit. It's so important as we're growing in Christ to continually make sure we're being spirit led yes. and not be just emotionally led because yes. you could have ended up in Jerusalem
2: mm-hmm. and
0: no telling what could have happened in, right. in the circumstances there. And for that to give you a better understanding of what Jesus was like, you know, uh, Zach Griffin, he, he seems to really know his stuff on like, what the culture was like at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And I really always find that fascinating whenever he teaches to the youth or whatever, because I don't know that much about it. So Mm -hmm. to get to kind of better understand what culture Jesus was in, you know, God, you know, chose those people for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so it is fascinating. And uh, I haven't watched that show you're talking about, but just to get it all added up all in the right time, you know, the spirit, I was talking to Jody about how, I don't feel like the Lord speaks like in different volumes, you know, but it just seems like he's gotten louder to me mm. over the past few you know, months of me being sober and like us growing. The sermons are all correlating everything, you know, he's speaking so loud, but it's just because we're like more vigilant and more yeah. aware of like what he has to say. You know, people always talk about like a quiet God mm. and, you know, there are times where you won't just always feel that impression in your heart, but keep on checking, you Mm -hmm. know, we got to keep on checking that spirit and be spirit led in our choices, because I just feel like it's so
2: important.
1: Right. Right. And that gets back to, to really making a commitment to being faithful to the word, Mm -hmm. you know, of just, you know, even if you get like a, like a, and I mean, I, I read the Bible multiple times and in multiple ways, but like I have, a um, New Testament, one-year New Testament. Mm. And so, you know, just do that. I mean, I get up and I read like however much, you know, I have for the day. And, mm-hmm. you know, every single day the Lord speaks something to me. Every single day I get something new from it. So He he wants to reveal Himself to us. Um, and and the enemy will always fight against that. He will always, you know, make you too tired for your, your quiet time with the Lord or, you know, distractions, whatever the case may be. But but God wants to speak to us both through the page and through a rhema word, a spoken word. And I think when we're in the written word regularly, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to recognize the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's he's um you know, he's speaking to us about, you know, maybe specific things, our assignment mm-hmm. in life and are giving us different desires, just like you do in this podcast that maybe you didn't fully understand, mm-hmm. you know, why and and you know, you don't know what the end of this will be, but God does, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but you were faithful to step out and say, okay, God, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, if there's one thing I always try and encourage women and is, is just begin to build that discipline. And as you build that discipline, Mm -hmm. you're going to find him on the page Mm -hmm. and you're going to see him throughout your day and you're going to hear him talking to you. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be this amazing love relationship with the God of the universe and Mm -hmm. it's going to blow your mind.
0: Yes. It, if you're not hearing him and your excuse is, well, I don't hear him. Are you reading his word? Because he will speak to you through his word. I remember when I was talking to John, I was asking him like how he has these moments of like revelation and stuff. And like he just always has these like big moments, you know, the the letters leaping off the page. And I was like, how do people like, you know, pursue that kind of relationship? And he says, seeking him. Mm-hmm. You know, such an important part of it is seeking Him and seeking Him. No one can seek Him for you. You can, like, come to church. It's an awesome start. But what that person is telling you isn't your own relationship with God. He's got a very specific plan for you. So I just think that's awesome. Awesome advice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, it changed, it, it radically changed my life. And like I said, the Lord really layered several different things mm-hmm. in there. Um, and, and, and I will say that, that in, you know, times of being in the word and being in prayer, the Lord showed me about like things that I'm doing now, not specifically, obviously, but just like put a real, um, I don't even know what the word is just like a a brokenness in my spirit that there was more coming.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And, 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 but I couldn't exactly put my finger. I would have never figured that it was pastoring for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, just because of my background and everything I'm thinking, you know, Lord, you know, how and why could you ever use me in that capacity? But, you know, the Lord chooses who he chooses mm. and our responsibility is to answer the call and not try and be someone, just be who God has made you to be. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I recognize that the Lord has really given me is, you know, just the father's heart for mm-hmm. people. Um, you know, I have so much compassion for people Um and, and, and I, and I have a pastoring gifting because it it's, you know, it just plays itself out. John says I'm way more pastor than he is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's way more teacher than I yeah. am. But, um, you know, I would have never seen that coming, Daniel, but yeah. because I just began to submit myself to God said, uncle, God, I'll do whatever it is you've called me to do because I'm tired of fighting you, yeah. you know, um you know, I, I felt, I felt in the spirit that, that there was more coming. I just didn't know exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and that's, that's the other important part about serving. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was right to serve, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I knew that, I knew that I was called to teach and I started with, the nursery and, you know, third graders, you know, Sophie was always in my class, third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders, sixth graders, you know, Mm -hmm. and and I enjoyed it and I loved it. And believe it or not, just preparing those lessons for the littles, Mm -hmm. I grew, Yeah, you know, and so God uses every single bit of it. If we will just submit ourselves to him.
0: I've had so many amazing people on here and people who, when I hear their story, it shocks me to know like what their past was like,
2: mm-hmm. but God
0: can use us from whatever and wherever and wh- how we steward it now, you can just tell how much different people have become. Right. And that's really just what I love about doing this. And the serving thing, it goes back to when John, when we went through Discovery and he he mentioned uh, serving with the youth mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't really know, <laughs> <laughs> like You know, I'm already awkward enough. I don't know if I'm gonna be good with these like teenagers, but it got my foot in the door somewhere Mm -hmm. and I needed Mm that. I needed to I needed to do more. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, before I know it, I'm like praying with the intercessing team. I might be doing some other stuff I don't want to mention on here quite yet until it happens, but probably gonna start serving in the like kids kid. You know, you just end up next thing you know, the ball starts rolling and you know, until he tells me like stop. I just feel like it's good to serve because I'm at a place now to where I feel like I'm getting filled up enough to where I want to pour back out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I have this like vision of like people who go up for prayer and it's like, uh, go up for prayer. You know, you, we need to pray for each other if you need it. But I would also love to see those people who go up there who have the confidence to go up there. Some of those younger mm-hmm. people to start having the confidence to pray for yes. others, yes. to be confident mm-hmm. up there. And, you know, I don't want to disregard Why they're going up there. Mm -hmm. You have faith that a lot of people don't have the courage. That's right. You know, I pray all the time for people to have the courage to go up today, to give them that extra step of courage. But to have that and then then to be able to use that as well, I think is so, so important.
1: Right. Right. And that's interesting because you have a tremendous heritage through your parents Mm -hmm. for prayer and and i love to see how that plays itself out in next generations mm. um you know what god has given one uh, a father and a mother how it plays itself out in the in the lives of their their children but yeah you're right there's a real and that's one of the things that always um like really impressed me about john is that you know <sighs> Here, here's a perfect example. I remember one Sunday he was um, teaching on how we are all, um, we are all ambassadors for Christ, and mm-hmm. we are all ministers of reconciliation. And I probably heard that taught before,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: I was like, "What, <laughs> me? You know?" And I, re- and I took hold of that, and and I think that, you know, and it was just the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Again, giving me another level of understanding mm-hmm. um for what that he was calling me into. Um and and not because of what I'm doing now, but just being a disciple of Jesus. We are all ambassadors for Christ and we mm-hmm. are all ministers of reconciliation. And and yes, you know, there in my work life, um, because when I moved to Paducah, it was very, you know, obviously I, I worked in a secular field. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, just being able to minister to women, even in my work life, I never made the connection that, oh, I'm I'm an ambassador for Jesus. Yes, I'm doing that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just like, it was like, I work for Jesus. You yeah. know, it was just such, it was such a, just a sweet revelation of that Jesus is using me, you know, with all my mistakes in my past and mm-hmm. all the missteps, um, you know, he could, he could use me.
0: Where you were not discipled. Now you get to step in for the woman who haven't had a disciple yet mm-hmm. and truly disciple them. It's so important for, uh, as you were telling that part of your story, it's so important for us to have spiritual fathers and mothers. I mentioned it on here, agnosia. It's so, so mm-hmm. important to find right. a spiritual mother and father, someone who can, you know, uh, Pastor Jeff talked to the men a few weeks ago and that's what he was talking about, finding a man who you can ask, he said, he called it the big ask yeah. just ask for their time. Right. You know what I mean? Finding someone who can shepherd you. And I've been so blessed to have a spiritual father who is my physical father. Right. And it doesn't hurt to have more than one mentor. Right. You right. know, I can always have other mentors, but I, I truly believe I have that with my dad and stuff. So once you and John finally got married, did you see like exponential growth? Again, in that season in your life, as you were ramping up through your.
1: Well, I would say I saw, how do I say this? (laughs) I saw um, exponential reality check
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: about being, uh, because I wasn't ordained as a pastor immediately. That was a few, a few years down the road after I married him, Mm -hmm. it just became obvious. That was part of my gifting, but Mm -hmm. you know, um, of course, I was on staff at the church before as an administrator,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so stepping into church life as his wife was like, "Oh, this is this is weird. This is different. Mm. It's entirely different." And I don't think I don't even know how exactly you I can explain this. And this is one of the areas where I I I feel like. I'm called into to go deeper and further Mm. with women, pastors' wives, of just Mm. being an encouragement to them because Mm. it is such a different um, lifestyle and a different um, being. And so, you know, the first three years, um, it's weird because, Daniel, it was like, like marital bliss. It was like You know, I tell him all the time, the first three years of our marriage were so amazing. (laughs) I mean, they were just so awesome. We just, you know, not that we're not in love now. We were just, it was just like those, it was like a three-year honeymoon. It was amazing. And at the same time, too.
0: Was was there something there with like the healing process for both of you? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? mean, Like, almost feels like you guys are getting it right.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That is a great way of putting it. Before we married, we spent hours and hours and hours and hours literally Mm -hmm. talking about, um, just being honest with each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I pulled back the veil on my past. He Mm -hmm. fully pulled back the veil on his past. Mm -hmm. We talked about everything that we felt like, um, could put, potentially be a game changer in our relationship, even though it was all in the past, like growing up and stuff.
2: Yeah. But
1: it was just really important for him, for me to know everything about him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, or for him to know everything about me and vice versa.
0: Yeah, the baggage and that, you just want to make sure everything is out. I totally understand. Yeah.
1: And and you know, one of the things that he said to me that just, you know, it, it just blew me away was at a time of of when we're talking about, you know, some things uh, about my past that I was sharing with him that I'm not proud of. You Mm -hmm. know, he said, Sarah, he said, your scars make you beautiful to Mm -hmm. me. So you don't have to hide those things. Mm -hmm. And, and I've never had a man in my life like that. I've never not, I've never had a man who loved me unconditionally like that, except for Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and it just was like, you know, it was just amazing. The first three years of our, our marriage, and I mean, we still have an amazing marriage, but you know, it's the first three years of of everything's new, and you're mm-hmm. getting to know each other, and you're finding out each other's quirks because you're living together, you know, and, and all that type of stuff. But it was hard in terms of making the adjustment to being the pastor's wife, because it's sometimes you're completely invisible. To other people, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the only person they want to talk to is mm-hmm. him. And and I understand that, you know, but mm-hmm. having been like having been in the workforce and manager and director and, you know, you just kind of feel like all of a sudden I became invisible. Mm-hmm. And so we really had to work through a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's always the time issues of just the, you know, just the pull on our time uh, and his time. And, and so there was a lot of adjustments our first three years together. And then, you know, it kind of smoothed out and, um, um, and now it's like, we're just in a real good groove Mm -hmm. of, you know, um, our time together is precious, you know, and we do try and make room for that to happen regularly, but, you know, Daniel, um, He's a, he's a full-time pastor
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's very busy.
1: Yeah. And I just, number one, I love it. I love how he loves God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes me love him all the more because of the way he loves God. And I love how he loves the people of this church family. Mm
2: -hmm. And,
1: and I love the things that God has gifted him with in terms of pouring out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just make room for that.
2: Mm -hmm. And,
1: um, but then I also treasure when we get our time together and he's, he's really good about, you know, making that happen as, as much as we can within reason.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't have to go through a first marriage to have baggage going into my marriage, mm-hmm. you know, premarital sex and all of the, you know, others that happened before, but you know, something that me and Jody have had consistently through our, our walk of life together is like odd schedules, mm-hmm. trying to find time for each other. Right. So as our plates seem to get, Busy and full, you know, with kids and everything, fuller than ever, it seems like we're built for it. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, whatever comes our way when it comes to serving the Lord, Mm -hmm. I think we're ready for it because Mm -hmm. we were kind of not serving Him for a long time and not seeing each other, and that took its toll on us. Right. But we got to a point now, or, you know, through the years of where we were comfortable with, you know, making the time we have important. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then realizing that you know our time's not our own. We right. have two babies yes. to take care of. Yes. And putting God first is should be the center of our marriage in the first place. Right. So if we're too focused on each other, we're not focused on Him. Mm-hmm. We're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. Right. So I, I love that you guys have found that uh, that groove. We just okay. hit our three years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've gotten through the three year honeymoon phase. <laughs> You know, yeah. it was like even even through those three years, I was building. I was like adding on top of the baggage, sadly, mm-hmm. because I wasn't where I needed to yeah. be as a man. Yeah, and seeing her heart change, and like my heart change too. Like when we started coming to church with Caleb, and just seeing like through these this this year especially the amount of growth we've had with her and her word every day, and and me just growing and growing. It's like wow, we're finally hitting this stride you know and the sermons john was teaching on um building and rebuilding Mm -hmm. it was like we had the material but we hadn't even started yet Mm -hmm. you know so it's just awesome um it's an awesome place to be so um what's next for you what what what's your goals
1: yeah. Um, well, a couple different things. And and actually I want to back up just a little bit. I don't know how much time we have left Yeah, here, but, as
0: much time as you want.
1: Okay. Well, I, I want to make sure that I clarify something because um, not a lot of people know this about me and it's actually a point of humiliation for me. And I'm don't say it, you know, I, but I, I want to be clear about, I've actually been married twice before okay. John. And so, um, you know, and and I don't I don't say a point of humiliation as though I don't have value for you know um, the the men that I was married to because of course they have value in the Lord's uh, eyes but you know as a pastor's wife and now an ordained pastor it's 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 always feels really awkward for me mm. because you know I think why couldn't I have you know done better and all of that well you know it's just part of my story. It's just part of who I am. It's just part of the miracle of how God has redeemed my life.
0: Was Sophie born into the second marriage? Second
1: marriage, yes, yeah.
0: I, I caught that, and I didn't know how to ask. So, yeah, thank you for clarifying. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I just, I just always like to be really uh, clear on mm-hmm. that for people, so that they're not confused about it. Um, And so that was you know, a little bit, even more so of the miracle for me that John would choose me,
2: Mm.
1: you know, because I'm thinking, okay, do you know, (laughs) do you know I was married twice? And it's so funny because, um, he is so funny. Um, if we're like talking with a couple or whatever, and, and I say, well, I was, I was married before John. And he's like, you were married before. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he's so funny. I'm like, okay, let's just let it go. But, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, so that was all the more reason why I was just like, God, you, you have to be in this Mm -hmm. because, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, why would anyone want me? You know, why would a pastor want me? Why? You know? And so I say that because I think One of the things that I want to do moving forward, you know, whether or not I actually get to do a podcast eventually, because I'd I'd like to, um, but I I love to write. And um, Mm -hmm. that's quite a bit of my background. Um, I want to, I want to reach out and I want to encourage women, you know, that God redeems, he redeems one of the most amazing stories um, I have in, in, you know, just speaking to how God has intersected my life again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were, it was actually the first time I ever went to Mexico with John mm-hmm. and he was teaching at a conference down there. And Brother Yurton, um, was what well, he, well, he went with Brother Yurton. We went with Brother Yurton and a number of other, uh, men and teachers and their wives. And, and so, uh, of course, Brother Yurton is like being in the presence of God, you know, yeah. Just let him open his mouth and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like sitting around, you know, God himself, you know, and just such a, a precious man. Well, like on the first day of the conference, they, we have lunch break, so they take us all out to lunch mm-hmm. and they seat me next to Brother yerton Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> what am I going to talk to him about, <laughs> you know, because I'm in my mind, Daniel, and this is, this is the game the enemy plays with me. He starts running through the list
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and I'm trying to hide, you know, I'm sitting next to brother Yerton, who I knew was saved very young mm. and just began preaching literally at age 11,
2: mm. you know.
1: Uh, an amazing evangelist and so you know just all the shame starts to creep in and all of the you're not qualified to even be sitting at this table and mm-hmm. what are you doing here and I'm like you know I got to I have to talk to him about something lord give me something to talk to him about yeah. so I thought I'll ask him about his salvation experience that's a pretty neutral you know um mm-hmm. uh, a pretty neutral question and hopefully he won't ask me anything <laughs> about me <laughs> because <laughs> I'm really trying to not have to tell brother Yurton anything too extensive about me you know right. but he is so gosh he's so precious anyway so um he says well Sarah i was 11 years old and there was an evangelist who came to town it was a tent revival it was in the days of tent revivals
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um he said um i heard about him going to be in town and um i decided i was going to go down there and and listen to him now think i'm i don't think i'm messing this up but i thought he kind of said to me he he wasn't a believer and he was basically going to go down there and make fun of me you know mm. and and just enjoy the show
2: mm-hmm.
1: so um he goes down there 11 years old hears the guy preach and you know gets saved mm. <laughs> radically saved you know and he probably was baptized with the holy spirit that night too <laughs> um mm-hmm. you know life turned just on its head in, in a second for him.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And, um, he said, and, um, he said, yeah, he said, Henry F. Redmond, um, changed my life forever. And I'm like, wait a minute. My pastor was Henry F. Mm Redmond. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah, he, it was at full gospel tabernacle. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's the church that he pastored. And so I'm thinking, Oh my gosh. Jesus, you are so kind. The The man that led Brother Yurton to the Lord is the same man that led me to the Lord. That's
2: so cool.
1: And it was just like this. It was just like I almost felt like I could, you know, hear Jesus laughing in the spirit of, you know, Sarah, you are such a mess, you know, because it's like, you know, I, I, he Jesus is a great leveler. He levels the playing field for all of us. And, and it's like, it was just kind of like that uh, hug or an affirmation of, you know, obviously Brother Yurton's calling is different than mine. Um, but Sarah, I called you both.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: same one that called him called you. And it was just the most phenomenal moment with Jesus. It was one of those marker moments. You know, throughout your life, you you have different marker moments with with Jesus where you're like, oh, my goodness, He's so good. Mm -hmm. And so that was—that just blew me away. Um, And so— That was really cool. Of course, we were in relationship with Rick and Debbie Mm -hmm. Clendenin. Um, Don't get to talk to Debbie as much anymore, but Debbie was really um, helpful to me in understanding uh, just the cost of being married to a pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean it in a... um, like pick up your cross and carry me (laughs) (laughs) or or pick up your cross and and carry your cross every day. I don't mean it like that, but you know, there is, there is a, there's a price, you know, for your time and Mm -hmm. you know, how you're viewed and, and all those things. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, So she was really helpful in helping me, you know, understand that. Um, And so I really do feel like, you know, the Lord is sort of distilling this whole idea uh, more and more and more about reaching out to and ministering to women in leadership and women married to pastors. Because I think there's, uh, you know, and, and I really, I kind of almost want to do like this survey or something with women mm. of, of you know, is, your husband is called to be a pastor but are you called? What is your mindset mm. on that? Because if he's called, you're called, because the two shall become one. Wow. Now your role will be played out differently than his. There's there's some women that are are also pastors in a in a traditional sense for those denominations that can accept a woman as a pastor right. and teaching and 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 that sort of thing. And then there's there's women who are truly the pastor's wife in terms of that support role of supporting him. Um, nurturing and raising the children alongside her husband Mm -hmm. and then, you know, caring for the church family. And, um, so that's, you know, that's just, just something that having been in this role now for 10 years that I realize it can be extremely isolating, Mm. you know, and, and I want to give I want to kind of give like a forum or a place and a safe place for women to be able to speak to that because it it can be it can be very hard.
0: There's so much power there because there's so many people, so many women, especially and men, but uh, who feel isolated, and um, the enemy can use any situation. And for someone who is a pastor's wife who understands what that isolation feels like so well. For you to help other women, whether it's women who are married to pastors or who I I can think of a couple of women off the top of my head who aren't married to pastors, who think of themselves as probably isolated, Mm. who don't have anyone who can understand exactly what they're going through. But God knows. Right. And, you know, it's so awesome how God can use one person. And (laughs) your pastor, who was an alcoholic, Mm -hmm. God changed his life. And then, you know, we think of the world, we sometimes have those, God oh man, the, it's a small world. Yeah, it's an incredibly tiny world to God to have you and Yurtin get um, ministered to by the same person. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have these small world moments all the time. And it's like we don't even realize, you know, the oh pastor from Uganda, Pastor Muga, come in here. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the connections we're making worldwide. It's because God is limitless on his uh, reach Right, and what we can do now as individuals, we don't even have any idea, so for your heart to be with the women, you know who knows the women you're gonna touch, and then those women that are gonna meet each other later down the road, and it's just awesome to see how God is always connecting, always yeah. connecting his people, and uh it's just truly awesome. That was an awesome story,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, when uh, Brother Redmond, he actually went into full-time evangelism. You know, that was just his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was probably about 16, 17 years old when that happened. Um, and uh, we had had a youth pastor at the church. He had finally brought on a youth pastor um, about that same time, Hal Santos and his wife, Pam, and— um, one of the things that he told Hal when he brought Hal on was, you're never going to be the senior pastor of this church, so just get it out of your head. You know. <laughs> well, Hal ended up being the senior pastor of the church. <laughs> yep. And he pastored uh, Full Gospel, which it, they changed their name to, to Grace, uh, Grace Church, um, probably back in the late 90s. Um, and so, you know, awesome man. In fact, I just talked to him the other day. We were talking. Mm. It, you were talking about those connections, and and so he was checking on me and John. Hey, how are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've left they've left full time ministry or full time pastorate, and now they have a ministry where they minister to ministers mm. and ministers' wives. And so, you know, he was telling me a little bit about that and. Um, and so it ends up he's going to London, Kentucky, mm. to fill in for uh, a pastor there um, uh, who I believe is, is ill right now and not able to, to teach. Well, um, Donald Sims is from London, Kentucky.
2: Mm. And
1: I said, well, hold up. Let me connect you with Donald Sims mm-hmm. and, uh, and then talking to Hal a little bit more. He's going to Uganda, of course. Uh, Donald goes to Uganda all the time. Mm. Debbie Cornwell just came back from Uganda. And so, you know, just speaking to what exactly you were just saying, mm-hmm. you know, we think the world is so big and and all of that, but it really is a little world compared mm-hmm. to the Lord. And he's working all these things together, you know, to connect people mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, his His kingdom can continue to be advanced. Um it, it, by like-minded people, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a whole different variety, there's all kinds of different varieties of Christians. And of course, we're all one in Jesus Christ. But God has created, you know, different ones to fulfill different purposes. You know, the Bible is very plain about that. And, mm-hmm. and it's when we all fulfill those purposes. You know, um, you know, can I be you know an ear or can an ear be a, a little finger? No, yeah. you know, we have to each function in our role so that the body of Christ can be complete, and it's just really cool how God just brings stuff together.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I'm
1: looking forward to seeing you know what happens to that relationship.
0: Before Pastor Muga came, I was messaging a guy on Facebook from Uganda, his name is Andrew Katwa,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: uh he knew Debbie from the labors of love stuff. Mm-hmm. And we started messaging and we tried to do a podcast, but it failed epically because we just don't have the equipment right now to do like a virtual, he was trying to do it through his phone and we really need him to have like a laptop. Long story short is I didn't get to do one, but like guy was like lining up somebody who kind of, he just like messaged me on Facebook. We had like no friends other than Debbie. And so he started telling me about his, you know, his little, um, ministry he's got going over there and it was like wow god's really like trying to branch this podcast out international i just felt like it's so cool that like i know it's the church's heart and it's like as i grow it's like my heart is like in line with like my pet pastors and like i just find that so awesome and so after that we, You know, I've shared some of his stuff on Facebook, and then Pastor Muga gets to come in, and I get to have him in last minute before he leaves. It's just cool to see what God's doing. And, and this ramp season, I just can't wait to look back in like five to ten years and see how far we've come. Because, you know, Pastor John was talking about how the, the like prophecies and the things that were spoken here at Cornerstone, are going to be fulfilled right and just a few weeks before that i was reading in john 4 where uh, uh jesus talks about the fields are white with harvest yes. and that we will start reaping yes. things that we haven't even sowed into and my heart was like so And like um a couple weeks ago he started talking on Zechariah, the first sermon on building your house mm-hmm. and just a week or two before that, we had 70 people baptized. Right. And I was a part of the very first baptism at the water. Mm-hmm. I was baptized that very first time the faith center went down to the river. I almost got baptized in the church before we came to faith center when I was like a kid. Mm-hmm. and I was like, no, I want to wait. I want to get like, I knew I wanted to wait. Like I wanted to understand what I was doing. And I remember there's a couple opportunities at faith center. and I was like, no, I want to wait. Right. And then we had that first baptism at the river. And me and my group were getting ready to baptize. And I was just like, man, this just feels like, right. Like I I was telling them that story. Mm -hmm. And in my heart, I felt like we were getting back to somewhere. Right. And then immediately after I had this feeling in my spirit, John's talking about it on Sunday. And I was like, man, it's so good to know, like, we're getting back to where our heart was originally, Mm -hmm. you know, and through years of like me getting off course and for years of like maybe people not being exactly where we needed to be to kind of like fully get in line with what is happening here right
2: right, right i just right. can't
0: uh, you know the multiplication is just going to continue
1: right
2: yeah yeah
1: i have a firm a firm belief um you know the well and, you know of course john's spoken about it multiple times that that it's it's almost like a complete relaunch mm-hmm. of face center and um it's it's kind of cool because um you know the lord has shown me the number 10 a lot mm. over the years and and if you've ever all the girls in my life groups you know they're probably if they're listening to this they're probably laughing because they know how i find dimes constantly mm. john is like he's he's like i don't know what's wrong with you <laughs> you know i'm always finding dimes like random dimes the number 10 has just been super important so when we were, when we first came to this building and we thinking about, um, you know, o- originally we were talking about maybe joining, combining congregations with Father's House and uh, Faith Center. Mm. Um, and, you know, we were having some preliminary meetings. We were doing worship at uh, the the Purple Palace and we were doing worship here. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the first nights that we came here to do mm-hmm. worship Um, we were all walking around and praying and, and, um, John said, Sarah, come over here. And he's standing on the stage, like right exactly where he preaches from. Mm. And he says, look down there on the stage is one dime. Wow. And so this year is the 10th year, December, 2023 is the 10th year that we have been in this building. Mm. And so, you know, I, I, I believe there's something to that, Mm. you know, and, and I think, you know, if we will join our faith with, um, what it is that we feel like God Mm. is, is speaking to us, you know, there's, there's nothing God can't do then if we will only believe.
2: Mm. That's good.
0: So uh, maybe I can ask you one last question. Yeah. Um, I always try to think of a dumb question at the end of these things. Okay. So what's some advice we can give to some women out there who are feeling isolated?
1: Who are feeling isolated? Um, I think, um, you know, one of the best things a a woman can do is, number one, just jump into a life group. Mm. Um, That... I, you know, I don't know if I'm just prejudiced or whatever, but I feel like our life groups, especially the women who lead our life groups, Mm -hmm. they are, um, they're so generous and compassionate and kind and understanding. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I grew up in a church, Brother Edmund was amazing, but it was just kind of then, I believe the era in American churchdom in Mm -hmm. which You know, people were not uh, as transparent as they could be. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of things just got swept under the rug, and you didn't really talk about, you know, any any sin unless it just became really public or blatant or whatever the case may be and mm-hmm. and so you know women lived very isolated lives and didn't talk about what was going on in the home mm-hmm. and such um but i believe we're in a completely different era now mm-hmm. where you know the women who grew up in that you know we're passionate you know to to say it's okay to be to be real about what your life has mm-hmm. been we're not gonna glorify sin, we're not gonna celebrate sin right. because sin is bad and mm-hmm. sin is evil and sin destroys lives. But but God can redeem that time. Mm-hmm. So I would say one of the best two pieces of advice really. One of the things that really, really helped me a lot because like I said when I came to Faith Center, my my goal was to kind of sneak in the back and sneak out mm-hmm. um and to not be known. I just I just wanted to come to church. Um, but the the environment, the culture, the people, the teaching mm-hmm. was just so life-giving. It was like, uh, okay, I got to serve here too, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, to, is to serve, find a place to serve. And of course, here it means you go through discovery. And then if you are in a place in your life where you're healthy enough to serve, then jump into serving somewhere mm-hmm. because that's always life-giving. Um, And if you, if you jump into somewhere that you're like, okay, yeah, I don't like this. You can jump in somewhere else. We're really good about not being, you know, no, you have to serve there. You know, you can't serve anywhere else. And then the other thing is just, is get into a life group and, and, and know that there are places that you can be safe Mm -hmm. and you can begin to, to open up. Now, you know, I always tell women, I don't, I don't recommend that you open every closet door immediately,
2: Right, you
1: know, um, get to know the women in your group and you might just connect with like one or two mm-hmm. that you can really begin to, um, be honest about, uh, your life or your struggles or whatever. Um, and I always tell women, you know, in the book of James, it tells us to confess our sins to one another, that healing might come. Mm. Um, so we know that salvation comes only through Christ. And so we confess our sins, you know, to the Father and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, mm-hmm. believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth um, that Jesus is Lord. And, and that's the process of salvation. So only God can save us through salvation. But for some reason, God has set us up uh, to receive healing to our souls. I believe our mind, our will, and our emotions mm-hmm. through the confession of, of both faith and sin to one another,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and that's not just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's mm-hmm. it's it's I'm depressed.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, I I can't seem to to get past, you know, this this feeling of loneliness or darkness, or you know, my marriage is really suffering, and and mm-hmm. I don't know who to talk to. Um, you know, it's it's when we it's when we it's when we um, confess those things to one another that, that healing comes. And I'll tell you a super practical story. That's, um, very transparent, but I'm going to tell it. Um, a lot of years ago, um, gosh, it was probably in 2000. Oh no, it was like 1997, 98, something like that. Um, we had moved here from Colorado and, um, I was, wrestling with a very fleshly sin and um but i had no one to talk to about it because i'm like who am i gonna tell (laughs) Mm. who am i gonna tell this you know because you know at that point i'm you know i was really serving the lord Mm -hmm. um you know um I was I was all in with God. Mm-hmm. But there was this thing I kept wrestling that I could not get free from.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, one day I was driving to work and I was praying about it. And the Lord said very plainly, um, I want you to go. No, this is what he said. He said, do you want to be free? And I said, yes, Lord, I want to be free. He said, I want you to go to your sister Maureen and tell her what you're wrestling with. Mm-hmm. I said, is there a second choice
2: (laughs) because
1: I didn't want to go to my sister Maureen she's like Mother Teresa Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to go tell her she's like too perfect you know and so I said in my heart I'll go to my other sister and tell her you know because she's she's she feels safe Mm -hmm. to me you know not that I mean Maureen's amazing she's she literally is Mother Teresa. Yeah. She's so precious. But my other sister, she was the one, you know, that I grew up with, I was closest to, you know, that we had a lot of similar life experiences in terms of, you know, our friends and we knew all, you know what I'm saying? We just kind of same circles, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, so I went to her and I told her, you know, what I was wrestling with. And she said, Well, okay, you know, let's we're gonna pray together. And I'm going to be praying for you, and I'll kind of be your accountability partner and all of that. I was like, mm-hmm. great. So this thing broke off of me, mm-hmm. and I was free for like six weeks. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: And then it came back, mm-hmm. and the Lord said to me when I was praying about it, are you mm-hmm. going to go tell Maureen now? Yes. And I said, yes, Lord. So I I went over to my sister's house and I said, Hey, uh, I'm supposed to confess something to you that I've been wrestling with. And, and here it is. And, um, I remember her looking at me and saying, well, Sarah, do you think you're the only woman that has ever struggled with that? Mm. And it was just like, this weight just fell off of me. Mm. And she said, Sarah, it's Okay. And then she began to minister Mm -hmm. to me Um, and my sister, Maureen, she's actually 10 years older than me. So um, she began to really speak into my life. And um, Daniel, it was when I went to the person that I feared most in terms of that she would change how she viewed it. She couldn't look at me the same anymore because of what I was wrestling with Um, that actually broke that chain, the, the broke the back of that sin in my life. Mm. Um, And it wasn't anything that I was active in, but it was like it was a temptation to me. And I just didn't want to be tempted anymore. I don't want to be tempted with it anymore. You know, and and, um, that was such a great practical lesson of, you know, the Bible tells us that— that the father said the lonely in families, you know, he's created us to be in family mm-hmm. and, you know, the most healthy family that you can have is one where you can be transparent and honest and, you know, confess your sins to one another mm-hmm. and, and, and be able to be accountable and, um, and maybe hear another person's perspective on it mm-hmm. because there's just something incredibly powerful about just, even when I was, you know, telling you about when John and I, before we were married, just all those hours we spent talking about, you know, things in our life that, that we just wanted to clean slate with each other. Mm -hmm. And it was just so powerful. It's like it, it knit us together before we even said, I do, you know, because we knew that we could trust each other with our hearts and we were not going to punish one another Mm -hmm. for whatever our past was. And so, um, that i would say that that if a woman can find another woman mm-hmm. in her life that that she can be honest with about the things that she's struggling with mm-hmm. a, a godly woman a mature woman in the lord that you know and you feel like you can trust you know with your confidences
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's that's some of the best advice that i can give um because it's it's extremely freeing mm-hmm. to know that You're not the only one. You know, there's other God-fearing, Jesus-loving women out there who have uh, struggled with sins that so easily entangle. But God can get us free. And one of the ways that He does that is through confession to one another. You know, you think it would be, you know, come to me and tell me your sins all, you know, and yeah. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, and he does forgive <laughs> us of our sins.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: there's there's this he's so about relationship, getting back to what you were talking about in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. He is so about relationship us with him, us with Jesus, us with the Holy Spirit and us with one another.
2: Mm-hmm. That
1: he put that principle in place that is is powerful
2: yeah,
0: isolation is probably one of the biggest attacks from the enemy. If he can keep you hidden, you'll be away from the light. And there's something there where he'll build up these scenarios in your head to make you think what you've done is so bad. And if I tell this person, they'll never forgive me, or they'll think, like you were saying, they'll never think of me the same way. And it's all just a lie from the enemy. Right. And we build up these things. And we and the thing is, the people we're going to tell... The people you should tell are the people who love you, the people you can trust. And when we tell those people, they're usually very receptive of what we're telling them. There's been times where I had to come forward with my wife and just be honest with her and tell her stuff that was bothering me. It's so important because that's where trust is built.
1: Yes, exactly. And
0: so step one, you gotta like you gotta get in discovery and become part of it or, or go through the process of becoming a part of a church and find a group of people that meet. Ours our church does life groups and they meet weekly, bi weekly, or whatever the uh the situation is. And then there you can start learning about people and figuring out who can I trust, you know. We're not all perfect. You might have to find the one or two. Right. You know. Exactly. You, you know the life group leaders might be the first ones you go to. And then you can maybe you know, work your way into trusting more because when we shine light and we tell people a little bit about it now, we're not going to continually just, you know, we're going to give you like, you know, mentorship and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that's where you can start. is like finding a group of people that, cause like, you gotta be honest with people about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so important. There was, uh, you know just even you know i've been uh sober from alcohol since mother's day
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there's even time still Hey guys thank you for listening to the WBF podcast whether it's your first time or you've listened to every single episode. It's truly just a blessing to be able to speak with you guys and bring the testimony of what Jesus has done in in the lives of the people around me. If you guys are blessed, I just ask that you share these testimonies with your friends and family. Confidently post them on your social medias because we never know whose testimony it is that's gonna touch someone else. And I'm believing that these testimonies will touch the world not for our glory but for the glory of jesus so if you want to be a part of growing this ministry and seeing the equipment get better eventually get to see video you can go to the wbf podcast facebook page and find out more i'm praying for every single listener that god will bless you and he'll open your heart to whatever he's got in store for you so thank you And we will see you guys next week.